Igniting, inspiring, and evoking the fire within. I got up to get my bag, and he complimented my sweater. And, and he was hitting on her. <laughs> maybe, maybe. If you want all the love that's in this cup... <laughs> Filled with wine. Fill it with wine. <laughs> and they're calling me Coach Burke, and they're calling him Coach Brooks. I'm like, the other coach is Coach Brooks is Garth. <laughs> it's actually Garth. That's Garth. It's Garth. Yeah. It starts with being a good person. If you're not looking out for your customers and being a good person first, then it's going to be a very short-lived career. The What's Your Inspiration Podcast with Fox Buyer. Hello, everybody. On this episode of the What's Your Inspiration podcast, we have author, speaker, CEO, and retired colonel in the U.S. Marine Corps, Len Fuchs. Len offers leadership principles that work. This should be fun. Here we go. Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the What's Your Inspiration podcast. Today, I have Len Fuchs on. Len is an author, speaker, CEO, and retired colonel in the U.S. Marine Corps. Len, how are things out in Arizona? It's too spectacular. Every day is a great day. It's, uh, as I like to say as a former aviator, it's severe clear. You can, I can see from my back porch, I can see the mountain peaks at the Superstition Mountains that are 60 miles away. Wow. So it's just another great day in Arizona. Did you say severe clear? Yes. <laughs> I love that. I mean, there's, there's no clouds in the sky. And uh, what's interesting in Arizona, if you've lived here for a while, uh, people will see one cloud and they walk around and say, you think it's going to rain? And uh, But uh, it's just a uh, – I really enjoy it uh, because uh, I like flying. And, uh, and, I, and, and I'm too old now to fly in clouds. So yes. it's uh, just a great place for uh, – for, we just finished spring training out here and uh, – Spring training was always a great event. It's very casual, and it's just nice to go and watch the new people trying to become major league ball players. And uh, it's just a great place in the spring. And, and as I like to tell people, there's two seasons in Arizona: there's summer, and then there's nice. Uh, <laughs> summer's just a little bit warm. I got you. I got you. That's a that's a, a cool way to put it. Um, you know, I have a, a friend as well, and he lived in Arizona for years, and he said, listen, when you look at the thermometer most of the time um, in, in the, those summer months, it's going to be 100 degrees, so you might as well not look at it at all. Exactly. That's, so, that's the way to do it. I would think so. So, you know, our relationship started, I would say, over 10 years ago now when a friend of mine, uh, Stuart Lake, who was the first guest on my podcast, he um, he met you um, on a plane uh, on his way right. to do some recruiting. And, you know, shortly after right. that that uh, that ride, he uh, he said, you know, I, I met this guy, uh, Len uh, Fox, and I think you should really get in touch with him. He um, he's, he's, he's just somebody that's very, very engaging and, and could help you. And your words, you might not know this, but your words, um, specifically your leadership principles, have, have really um, had an impact impact on me. And nowadays, you are the uh, you are the founder 
an executive uh, founder of an executive leadership training company. Tell us about it and what it entails. As a, as a Marine, from the very first day you join the Marine Corps, whether you're a brand new private uh, or you're going as, a, as an officer, they, they, they really stress leadership. And one of the philosophies is that whenever we have two Marines together, one of them always is the leader. So whether you're two PFCs that are both, one's 19 and one's 18, somebody's in charge, somebody's the leader. And... Uh, and uh, I was kind of shocked when I got into the business world 25 years ago when I retired from the Marine Corps after 30 years, uh, how, how, how so many people just advocated their responsibility of leadership. You know, it's kind of like, well, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, and, and oh, we'd rather be mediocre. Uh, so I was, it sort of really, really surprised me. Uh, so uh, I went to work for a company called Franklin Covey, which... Uh, if you're familiar with Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Leaders. And uh, so I spent three and a half years there, and I ended up being a senior vice president. And I said, uh, you know, I could do this. I think I could do this better because they were focusing on a great big broad audience. Uh, and I said, you know, I, what they really need is good executive leadership training. And so I just focused on that and 20 years ago, and uh, it's really worked out well because I found that executives have the same lack of leadership as some, most of the time, as some 18 year old kid that's just out of high school. So it's, leadership is not uh, really that complicated. I, I tell people that really great leaders are great simplifiers. Ah. And, uh, and, and so, uh, and that's the same way with writing. If you notice, like on the weekly thoughts while shaving, uh, each thought is, is uh, one, one sentence. And the reason I do that is because people, especially in today's uh, uh, era of, uh, with the Internet and uh, tweets and uh, Facebook, that people can't seem to concentrate on anything that's wrong. And so I get a lot. People send me a lot of ideas, in four or five or six or sometimes a, a whole paragraph. And what I do is I distill it into one sentence. And people read that and they go, oh. But what I find that's really interesting about the weekly thoughts is that people will read it and then go, ah. And then they'll come back and read it again and go, aha. They get another meeting out of the same thought. So it's, I call it kind of like, somebody said, oh, yeah, that's, he told me when he was reading it. He gets this double aha effect because he reads it once and gets one idea from it. Then he reads it again and gets another. So it's, uh, but it's something that uh, I, go back and I even look at other leadership thoughts uh, and I go, uh, it, I, I said, that, that's something that I really find, uh, it's always interesting. I said, oh, gee, I don't do that anymore. I got to focus on that. But so anyway, that's how I got into the leadership, executive leadership training because there was such uh, uh, a, a lack of it. My really first uh, big customer was uh, Boeing, Boeing's executive group. And, uh, and from there, it just kind of flowed because uh, you get this small executive group and you sit down and you talk about basic leadership. And, it, and I said, what's really surprising is how much how there's a lack of discussion of leadership at that level. Because uh, when you get to the executive level, uh, there's, there's a lot of competition in a lot of companies at this level. And so with people 
it becomes this information is power. So you don't let the other people in the executive group to, to know what you know. And uh, so there's just, it's, uh, it's really not a healthy organization uh, when, when they do that. So uh, what you do is if you get them together and they can be, and you can talk to them about leadership and what their thoughts are on leadership. Because I also found that many executive groups had no idea what they, what they say the CEO's thoughts were on leadership and what his vision was and what his values were. So I, I think that uh, I, I just found this, this niche. And uh, it's, I don't think it's ever going to go away because uh, there's always this new group of leaders that uh, just uh, have not really thought about leadership. But they're in charge, but they're not the leader. Right, and you, you mentioned the word niche. It, it is certainly a, a niche for you, Len. I mean, just to give you an idea, people who are listening, these thoughts while shaving, you know, every Sunday evening I, I get them mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I read them. And correct me if I'm wrong, I received this past Easter Sunday uh, thoughts while shaving number 1003. I think it's 1,005. 1,005. It is an astronomical number, but like you said, they are short and to the point. And I think that really strikes a chord into today's audience who um, have a problem focusing for long periods of time. So you, uh, you've really identified um, the audience mm -hmm. and how to reach them. They're, they're, and they're wonderful people. And at the end of the, um, the podcast here, you know, I want Len to, if he would share his email so that you, the listener, could could get in on this because you are, I think, always been at the cutting edge of, of what they are, common sense leadership principles. I know people go, they go, when, when you talk to them about this, they go, well, that makes sense. I go, of course, that's why I call it, it's common sense. But, I mean, you don't have, you know, common sense is not common. But uh, <laughs> and I, and I, I keep saying, I keep telling you, as I mentioned before, great leaders are great simplifiers. Uh, it's like I remember when I when I was in the Marine Corps, I, one of the first schools I went to, they thought as an officer, they talked about you know people have to understand what you're telling them, and and they give the example of Napoleon, Napoleon's corporal. Uh, Napoleon, whenever he had his staff write the the battle plans, he'd have his corporal read it and tell him, okay, what did they say? So uh, if if his corporal couldn't understand it. How could then he control his army if the people at the at the lower levels didn't understand what they were trying to do? So yes. that's what I, I really see is this great simplification. Uh, a couple of things I like personal things I do to simplify things is that for for, for the past uh, twenty some years when people send me an email, I said, Hey, I, I, I ask a question and I and I you know, for some problem we may be having or something I want more information on, I said, Hey, don't send me anything more than five or six sentences because uh, if you can't answer it in five or six sentences, I've asked the question in the wrong way and you don't understand what I'm asking, so that's my fault. Because uh, otherwise, a lot of times when people ask a question, especially the boss, and it's not very clear, the people will write pages and pages trying to figure out what the real question is and trying to find that, find that, make sure they get the right answer. So... Uh, I think that's the simplification too, because uh, it's, it's it's you have all kinds of people in your organization, and everybody has to understand where they're going and how they're supposed to get there. And it's your job to make it very very simple. 
very, very clear, really. When you make things uh, more simple, they're more understandable, and you get more out of them. Yes. You know, the phrase is kind of ringing in my head right now, less is more. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Of course. Uh, because it's like, uh, I, I still like Vince Lombardi, you know, when he, when he took over the Green Bay Packers, when he was coaching, he said, let's start at the basics. And he said, this is a football. You know, and some people try to make things too hard. Uh, my one uh, grandson, uh, who also uh, helps coach baseball for you know, club teams, uh, he starts it off every season. He says, okay, now this is a baseball. You know, so sometimes we get so carried away with the sophistication of what we're trying to do. Um, uh, or as an aviator, I used to tell people, I said, life is pretty simple as an aviator. I said, just remember that gravity never lies. Gravity is always truthful because if you try to defy gravity, you're going to crash. Uh, so uh, gravity never lies. Let's just keep it simple. I love it. I mean, you're taking a concept that, to me, uh, boy, I never took physics in high school because I was so scared. But you just you, years later after high school, you just simplified it for me. Gravity never lies. I just wrote that down uh, as as soon as you said it. Oh, that. I do talk a lot about ethics with executive groups, and, and uh, that's one of the things I tell them. I, I said, hey, gravity never lies. And so it's like in an opening, and this is your business. You should never lie because there is this gravity in your business. And if you tell a lie in your business, this gravity has a way of, of uh, saying, look, you told a lie, something bad's going to happen. So uh, I I, I, I I believe that uh, one of the things I got out of aviation was that uh, gravity never lies. No question about that. No question about that. It's episode 32 of the What's Your Inspiration podcast. I'm here with Len Fuchs, obviously, uh, among many things, author, speaker, CEO, uh, former aviator in the U.S. Marine Corps. Um, just outstanding so far. Len, we are going to get into a game called What which and where. So what I'll do is read you a line from maybe a book, uh, a personality that you're familiar with, uh, and I want you to tell us uh, who, from who and where it came from. So are you, are you ready? <laughs> okay, hey, I'm an old guy, so you have to talk slow, okay? <laughs> oh, no. No problem. I can slow it down for you, and you're no, no, you're, no, I'm just you're definitely my speed. Believe me. <laughs> and we'll we'll start off with this one. All right, we'll start off with this one. There are three of them. The first one goes like this. It reads: Constant change is healthier than stability. Okay, I'm familiar with that, but I think it was like um, the guy who did the sixty-minute man, uh, sixty. Oh, the one minute manager. Uh, I can't think of, but I think it's one of those type of individuals. Len, I'm going to tell. I'm going to give you your own advice. It could be like Thomas Edison or uh, yeah, It's really familiar, but it's one of these. I don't know who said it. I'm going to. I'm going to give you your own advice. Uh, simplify it. Simplify it. Simplify it. You be a great leader. Think like a great leader and just simplify it. I'll say it again. Constant change is healthier than stability. Well, you got me on that one. I, sh I shouldn't have. I had that down as you. 
Yours, you. Oh, really? It is you <laughs> from Volume One. Thoughts while shaving: Common sense leadership principles. Okay. Well, you know, there's only six thousand thoughts over twenty years, so I, every once in a while I fail. That that's that, that's quite all right. That's quite all right. You're a, a wealth of knowledge, and it's you've you've passed it on to me. So while you might not remember uh, completely, um, I certainly will. I mean, I, I love I love that. So many people. Well, I, I tell people too that if you're not changing, then, then you're not growing. And I said, if a company doesn't change, I mean, if you, eventually you're going to be out of business. But you know, you have, and people just say, well, if you just didn't change, and I said, if you didn't change, you'd be out of business. You have to keep reminding them. Mm-hmm. So, but but you're right. And the same thing too with your life. I mean, as I've gotten older, people go, well, what are you going to do? You know, why do you want to uh, keep uh, doing new stuff? And I said, because when I learn new stuff, if you will, it helps me with the old stuff that I already know. You know, so I said, I, and I said, I love change. And I said, I, my life has been, you know, seven decades of change. And I said, it, and I said, that's what's made it exciting. It certainly is. I mean, you could, you could tell in your personality um, that you're just, you're, you're a positive person. I go back to our last conversation we had, it was probably two weeks ago, and you told mm-hmm. me, Fox, I choose to be happy, not in a Pollyanna type of yeah. way. Ninety yeah. percent of what's happening in the world is good, um, and and that's just kind of who. That's how I know you, and that's who you are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, as, as I, we were talking earlier before we went on the air, is that uh, there's so many good things in our lives, and yet we and they, like uh, there's ninety nine percent of what happens to us every day is good, but there's one percent that may be bad. So what do we spend 100% of our time on? That 1% that's bad. Yeah. And I said, that's not the way it should be. I, I just said, I, 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 I like being happy. And I said, because it's my choice. And uh, so I, I reflect on the good things. And to the bad things, hey, if it's only 1%, I can handle that. I said, okay, that's a problem. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll look at it, look at maybe a brief solution, and then walk away from it. So it's uh, it, we we choose to make ourselves happy or unhappy. Yes, yes, and I'm, I'll go back to a a previous uh, podcast I had with um, Elon Elon and Guy Ferdman. They're you know um, motivational speakers like yourself, and yeah. you know, uh, Elon said at the end of of the podcast, kind of what you're saying, and I'm I'm going to quote him verbatim. He said, "We focus on this negativity all the time." Yeah. He said, mm-hmm. scientifically, it's perfect. Always, always, always. And when you get that, mm-hmm. you can respond to things differently and tell yourself, this was just here for my perfect moment, and you can move on. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because my one granddaughter, uh, she's, a, she's a junior at Pepperdine now, but quite a few years ago, she said, Grandpa, what do you really like doing? And I said, I like being cha- challenged and fixing things. And she goes, oh, really? And she said, what do you mean? I said, everybody, I said, I'm like a, 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 a used car salesman. That if you walk onto the used car parking lot of my life, I qualify you. And I said, hmm, I wonder if I could help that individual. And sometimes people, you know, you really can't. But, you know, everybody that you meet, you say, hmm, I wonder if I could help them. And I said, that really uh, makes a difference in my life. Because a lot of times they ended up, Making a bigger effect on me than I made on them. Yes, yes, 
definitely well put. We don't realize the, the, the impact we have on ourselves when we help somebody else because we'll always have done that. We'll always have yeah. given that. It makes, that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Okay, so so you you, you may be over one and what which and where, but you did you did indeed say that constant change is healthier than stability, and we'll we'll go we'll do we'll do one more we'll do one more, and um, you know we're both um, baseball people at heart, and we'll re- I'll, I'll give you it's in the, in the baseball realm, I'm a great personality. He he once said this. I want you all to line up in alphabetical order according to height. That sounds like a Yogi Bear or a Casey Stegel. It is. Which one? Mm. Boy, I'd say Yogi Bear probably. That, that's what I would have thought. It is indeed Casey Stengel. Wow. Indeed Casey Stengel. Interesting. It is. The professor. And, and, yes, the old professor. And you, okay... Um, and thinking back to a previous conversation, you sort of have a family connection uh, to Casey Stengel. Do you want to explain? Yes. Uh, one of my dad's grandfather's cousins, because this is from the, from the 30s, he, uh, he always wanted to buy a baseball team. His name was uh, Abel Folks, but they used to call him Judge Folks. And so anyway, in 1928, he went to buy the Yankees, but they weren't for sale. So he bought the Boston Braves, who are now the Milwaukee Braves. Not, no, they're uh, the Atlanta Braves. But uh, he bought them, and uh, uh, he, uh, from 28 to 35, and then the de- Depression hit, and the Braves were always really bad. At, in 1934, they finished the second, which was the best they'd ever done. So anyway, uh, he bought the Braves, and uh, he had uh, kind of a minor league system. And so anyway, one of his minor league managers and, quote, presidents of the minor league club was uh, Casey Stengel. And Casey Stengel was really kind of an interesting individual even then. At, uh, and it was the Worcester, Massachusetts team that he was the uh, manager and, quote, president. So, but anyway, an offer came along with Toledo, which was a triple-A team, which was a higher level than in Worcester, Mass. And uh, so Casey Stengel, what he did was... He uh, traded himself, he traded as the president of the, of the club, he traded himself to the to Toledo baseball team and then resigned as the president of the club and uh, kind of left uh, Judge Fuchs in the lurch. But, uh, but That's uh, not nice doing that to uh, Grandpa. Pardon me? That's not nice doing that to Grandpa. No. I mean, it wasn't, no but anyway, he was my uh, grandpa's cousin, Judge Fuchs. Gotcha. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. But the, uh, the other thing is there's still baseball writers in Boston every year give the Judge Fuchs Award for uh, good sportsmanship, etc. cetera, uh, in, uh, for the, with the Boston baseball writers. But the other thing is interesting, in 1935, he signed Babe Ruth to his last contract. And Babe Ruth got, was not in great shape at that time, but they were in Pittsburgh in the midway through the season. Babe Ruth had three home runs in that game. And then retired. Dip over in uh, Shide, uh, pa- Shide Park, is that right? No, it was a, no, it was uh, Forbes Field in Pittsburgh. Forbes Field, excuse me. They broke his last three home runs. Wow. But uh, anyway, they, when he retired when uh, in 1935, he had a, he a team because 
because of the depression, he was like a half a million dollars in debt. But it took him, after he sold the team, to make sure everybody got paid off. And uh, he went back to being a, a judge. Also, what was interesting, he and Connie Mack were the only two major league managers that managed in civilian clothes. Uh, and uh, Judge Phillips managed the team for one year because he couldn't afford a manager. Yes. So if you wore civilian clothes, you weren't allowed to go onto the playing field. So you managed from the dugout and you sent your coaches out to talk to the pitchers or do anything. So uh, that was kind of interesting, a little bit of uh, trivia. So anyway, uh, I don't know how I got off on that topic, but it's just kind of, it's, I, I find it interesting. It is, it is. I mean, as a, a baseball historian myself, I was uh, uh, very intrigued to hear that story um, because, uh, you know, anytime. And I'm, you know, spend a lot of time, you know, um, on a baseball field, and, and there's, there's not, not really a day that goes by that that somebody doesn't say something so outlandish that you don't think of Casey Stengel or Yogi Berra. Yes. Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, just, yeah. So, but uh, as I said, what's also interesting is that Yogi Berra, because I'm from the San Luis area, okay. uh, grew up across the street from Joe Garagiola. Yes. And Joe Garagiola, I got to know out here because he retired out here in the Phoenix area. We worked with uh, with them, some charities together. But he used to say he was the second best catcher on his street. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, interesting. So, uh, next question. I'm, I'm ready for uh, a handle failure well. So, <laughs> That's okay. And just to go back, Joe Garagiola, as some may know, may not know, a former big leaguer and was a, a broadcaster for a number of years. Um, yes. number of years. He did, he did national broadcast. In fact, he played in the major leagues from 46 when he was 19, and the Cardinals won the World Series that mm. year. He was a 19-year-old pitcher because the regular pitcher, Mort Walker, was hurt. Uh, and then uh, he retired, I think it was 54, and uh, with the, the Pirates, because he was never really a, you know, really, he was just a very, very, very average. But uh, when I grew up in 54, the announcers for the Cardinals were Harry Carey, Jack Buck, and Joe Garicello. Wow. In uh, 54 and 55. So, but they all went on to do great things. So, but uh, no, I've always been a big baseball fan. Yeah, it certainly is the name. Both our lives, background, the background music. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll go on with it with a third uh, third question here in what, which, and where. All right. So you're seeing that these these have relevance to your life, and 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 okay. most times that person. My apologies. That, I don't understand. My Google just went off. The person that actually says that said it is, is pretty close to you. So the last one, Len, goes like this. Step. Get up out of your seat. Step. You will not lie there in defeat. Well, that's another real familiar one. It's almost like a Stephen Covey almost. Uh, who is that now? Stephen Covey. It sounds like a Stephen Covey. Is he an author? But, yeah, they wrote the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Oh man! Oh man! That's a well, that that's flattering because that quote was a, a part of a poem in my book called Step. Oh, yeah. In fact, I'm looking at your book right now. Okay. As well am I. Uh, <laughs> well, that's a, 
That's very good. I mean, that sounds like a, 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 a Stephen Covey almost. I mean, just, uh, but that's very good. Oh, well, I thank you. I have to go back and reread your book because I read it when you sent it. And I, as I said, the nice thing about getting older too is you pick it fast. So I can read it again. So it'd be like for the first time. Yes, and it's like reading it for the first time again, and you just you, you didn't re- didn't know that you had it. So um, yeah, I, I thought that would be relevant to to mm-hmm. to today's today's podcast, being that we're very both positive people, and we know that life sometimes does not turn out the way you want it to. But it's your choice to be happy, and I think we're yeah. two people that choose to be happy. Yeah, and it's like uh, my. Grandson who plays college baseball has this little saying uh, in his locker that says, uh, "Every strikeout is one step or is one swing closer to a home run." So, I love uh, it. That, that's pardon me. I love it. Every strikeout is one swing yeah. closer to a home run. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, I, and I think most people in life, they, and I've heard it from a lot of young people because every once in a while uh, I, I lecture at a Grand Canyon University on uh, leadership and ethics. And these young people, they're so afraid of failure. That, or, or, and they're so, they think that when they get a job, too, that everything will be perfect. And uh, I said, no, that the more, if you, whenever you fail, you really become stronger and you really learn something. It's a big learning lesson. Because if you never, ever fail, I said, you really haven't learned very much. Either that, or you're extremely lucky, or very, very mediocre. You know. So I said, but the best lessons learned are usually when you when you failed. I love it. I find that to be true as well. I mean, how it's 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 like you know, learning in itself. How do you learn yes. something if you don't say, uh, I don't know? Yeah. And, and the other thing is, that I told them, I said, you can tell what I really like about the best leaders that I've ever worked for is that they're great teachers. If, uh, I think teaching and leadership go hand in hand. So I always say, you know, great leaders are great simplifiers. Great leaders are great teachers. Because you don't realize, I, some of my, when I was uh, in my 20s, some of the, uh, my, my bosses, if you will, the senior people, were always teaching. We didn't really realize that. I mean, you go, wow, you know, they're always teaching me something. You know, so I think that, that, that what I've always tried to do is, is you know, you, you know, set formalize, but you, you you sit there and you say, okay, you know, you might do something. Have you ever thought about this? And so that, that gets you the, the conversation. So I, I think that, uh, you know, this is two of my favorite sayings, uh, great leaders, great simplifiers, great leaders, and great teachers. No question about it. There's no question about that. I mean, it's just... Um, if if you're really listening, as we have, you, 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 you that that comes that comes through. It's 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 just so true. It's just so true. Len, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here on uh, okay. episode thirty-two of What's Your Inspiration with this. We know all heroes don't wear a cape. If you had a chance to spend an hour talking to either Casey Stengel or Connie Mack. Who would you choose and why? I would choose Casey Stingle because he was a man who was actually very, very smart. In fact, he was very big in banking. He was president of a couple of banks and 
and he was very, very good uh, about a lot of different things. Uh, and I've read a couple of books uh, that people have written about him, and he came across as as this uh, individual who was just you know not not bright, but he really was very smart. And then I like the term that they use for him is the old professor. Uh, they used to call him the professor when he was uh, with the Yankees there in the fifties, and and I and I think uh, you really had to be smart to come up with, with with some of his witticisms, if you will. So I, I think he'd be enjoyable, and the, and, the, and the Connie Mack would be also interesting. Uh, Connie Mack was more of a very structured structured individual. Uh, he was. Um, uh, if, if you notice the way he ran the Philadelphia Athletics, uh, it was he was interesting. He was intelligent, but he probably wasn't entertaining like Casey Stengel was. Yeah, he kept it a little bit more vanilla, and I think Casey Stengel had a few yeah. more sprinkles on his Sunday. So, um, <laughs> for, for for sure. But I love you know old professor professor with er. He speaking yeah. of his his his. I think he used the word witticisms, which I love. When he, so 1960, uh, the Yankees are defeated by the Pittsburgh Pirates, home run by Bill Mazeroski, and shortly thereafter, um, Casey Stengel is is let go, fired by the Yankees, and one of their reasons were, or was, they said he was too old, and Casey, I guess, uh, took a step back and said, I won't make the mistake of being 70 again. <laughs> that's that's right. Uh, you know, people go, "Why do you still do what you do?" And I said, "Because I still every day I meet interesting people." Yes. So I get, I, uh, because of like the weekly thoughts, which go out to almost two hundred thousand folks a week. Uh, I, I said because of, I said I put my phone number on there. People call me up and ask me about the leadership and ethics and stuff, and I don't mind because my people say. Why do you do what you do? As I said, I like this used car salesman. I qualify you and see if I can help you. I love uh, that. I, I want to make you, you know, everybody around me, so I can make you a better person, fine. And when you help somebody else become a better person, you also become a better person. Yes, it works both ways. It's, it's, it's use a word, it's reciprocal. Yes, it is. It's totally reciprocal. So, so but, uh, no, anyway, these are two of my favorite topics: leadership and baseball. Yes, that's why you know I, I said, "How is this going to, going to go?" And it, it was mm-hmm. very simple um, scripting questions for you, Elon, because we are, you know, I'm a teacher, I'm a baseball coach, and 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 you know, yeah. you're you've been a teacher all your life, and you were a baseball fanatic, yeah. so that it, it just works. It's mm-hmm. just worked. That's right. In fact. My favorite team used to be when I was uh, little was the Baltimore, I mean, the St. Louis Browns. And ever since then, I've disliked the Baltimore Orioles because they moved to Baltimore in 53. Because I'd saved my money and I, had, and, I, and I bought a Browns baseball hat about a month before they moved. And the Browns baseball hat cost uh, 49 cents because things were a lot cheaper than 70 years ago. 49 cents. And, uh, and so when they moved, I threw away that hat. I couldn't stand to have a Browns hat anymore because they were gone. So, do, do you do you, do you regret doing that, throwing it away, or is that something that you just want? <laughs> now I do. Now I do. Yeah. Hey, I was uh, let's see, eight years old at the time. So. You're, yeah, you were young. You're so. 
you were yeah. so so young. Ah, these things these things happen. Oh, Len, this is flown this is flown by. Um, I'm gonna. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, I'm gonna end it uh, like this. You know, I really want people to to take in your thoughts while shaving. Um, mm -hmm. How can people get in touch with you so you can give them those those common sense leadership mm -hmm. principles? Mm -hmm. Well, you can go to the website, which is thoughtswhileshaving.com. All, all run together, thoughtswhileshaving.com. Or you can give me uh, send me an email. The email address is globalad, G-L-O-B-A-L-A-D-D, at Cox, C O X dot net. So it's G L O B A L A D D at Cox dot net. Or you can call me on the phone, 602 573 0745. So we're in Arizona. So if it's 7 o'clock in the morning on the East Coast, don't call me because I don't get up at 4. <laughs> at least not anymore, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So anyway, but, but anyway, no, it's. As I said, there's uh, leadership that it, it, uh, it, it, people, let me close with this too. People say, well, what's the difference between leadership and management? And I said, it's an easy example. If I go back 5,000 years, I said, Moses, when he was in the desert, managed his people. But when he crossed the Red Sea, he led his people out of Egypt. So Moses was a manager when he was just sitting there in Egypt, but he became a leader when he led them out of Egypt. There's no better way to end than that. No better way. Uh, Len, this has been an absolute blast. Thank you for coming on. Okay, thank you, and uh, take care. And um, as I said, great leaders, great simplifiers. No question about that. Thank you. This will wrap up Episode 32 of the What's Your Inspiration Podcast. Len and I will talk to you all later. Take good care. You have been listening to the What's Your Inspiration podcast with Fox Buyer. Because impact on each other is the greatest currency you could ever have. Step. Step. You are idle no more. Step. Pick yourself up off the floor. Step. Within yourself a core belief. Step. You will not lie there in defeat. Step. In minding, body, and winning tranquility. Step. Without movement there is no possibility. Step, each pace equals a seed. Step, in the world's largest sequoia tree. Step, one by one they'll amass. Step, Corfield passes down victory path.